Hey everyone, I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next, episode 27. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on this show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Today's guest is Kendra Adachi. You may know Kendra from her blog, The Lazy Genius Collective, or her Lazy Genius Podcast. She's a mom of three in North Carolina who wants to find books that are good enough to make her turn off the TV, which is saying something because she loves her TV. Let's get to it. Kendra, welcome to the show. Hi, Anne. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, me too. Okay, Kendra, tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Uh, I live with my husband and three kids. I have two boys who are four and six, and I have a two, almost two-month-old baby girl. So I'm really awake all the time. Gosh. <laughs> um, and in the in the cracks of taking care of those tiny people, um, I write and um, podcast over at uh, my website, which is the Lazy Genius Collective. Mm-hmm. And um, I just love to talk to people about all kinds of things, but I encourage them to be a genius about the things that matter and lazy about the things that don't and books matter. And so I like to talk about books. (laughs) So I'm so glad that I'm here with you. Okay. Well, I love the lazy genius concept, but I am happy to hear that books are not the things to slack off about. No, not, not even close. Not even close. I mean, not that they can't be enjoyed while slacking off, but you know, priorities. I'm glad that they're on the list. Totally. Okay. So in that Malay, is that fair? That's actually that's kind of a negative word, isn't it? Never mind. What I mean is, how does reading fit in your life right now? You know, it's funny. Reading didn't really fit in my life up until I had my baby, which is really counterintuitive. Um, But I have an English degree, and I think like a lot of English majors, I just got tired of reading. I was so over books and high literature. And that's when I started consuming television like a crazy person. <laughs> and so um, it's like, I, it's not that I haven't been reading over the last few years, but, um, but not a lot. And um, I actually recently listened to your episode that you did with Tish. And I remember her saying um, that she doesn't know what it's like to not have a book, uh-huh. to not be reading a book. That is not, that has not been my life. Like there's long seasons where I didn't read anything. I would just watch TV because I was tired of reading. And so, um, but now that I have a baby and I have all this time because I'm feeding her and you just kind of sit there. Um, I've been reading books on my phone, like on the Kindle app on my phone. And, um, and I have just recently started to consume voraciously your website and you kind of have like, sort of single-handedly reignited my love for reading again. Oh my so gosh. Thank you. It, that is why I'm like, I feel like I'm on an episode of what not to wear with you, <laughs> but it's like just the cool makeover part. Like, I don't feel like you're going to tell me like I'm stupid and I look bad. So this is like the best thing that's ever happened. I'm so I'm excited. Just, I would love to be Stacey London. I would love to have her great hair. She has the best hair. I don't know if I want to actually wear her shoes, but I think they're pretty. I agree. <laughs> Okay. Well, here's how this works. Yeah. I'm so tempted to ask you questions about TV first. So what are your favorite shows that are distracting you from books? Cause I got to oh, know what the yeah. competition is. Yeah. Well, um, golly, I, I watched so many things. I just recently finished Veronica Mars. I love Veronica Mars. <laughs> um, I didn't think I would like Veronica Mars, but I was so into it. It just hooked me. I loved her. I love 
we'll talk about this. I love like strong, spunky female leads. Mm -hmm. So she just, she grabbed me. Um, I just finished, um, the man in the high castle. Mm -hmm. Um, and that will also come into play when we talk about books in a minute. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, cause I'm reading the book now. Um, and I, golly, I, I, I just said golly, like I'm a 70 year old woman. Um, <laughs> I just, I watch so many different things, but those are the two things that have recently been on my queue. Very nice. Um, well, you know how this works. You're going to tell me three books you love, one book you hate and what you've been reading lately. And we'll talk about what you should read next. Awesome. Let's start with your favorites. What is one book you love? My first book is The Night Circus mm -hmm. by Aaron Morgenstern. Um, this was such a hard thing to decide. I know everybody says that, like, how can you possibly pick three books? But this one was the one that was super easy to choose because it's not my favorite book of all time. It's like in the top five or 10 for sure, mm -hmm. but it covers like everything I love about a story. So it's, um, I love things that are like fantastical and kind of a different world, you know, like someone creates this world from scratch. Uh -huh. I love that. Um, the, I don't like to tell people what this, what this book is about. It's one of those books that it's fun to just sort of uncover and mm -hmm. discover as you read. Um, but it has a love story in it and I love a love story and it has like, um, an end that kind of wrap up well. And this is like, it's a magical competition. The book is essentially a competition of magic. And so there's an end because there's an end to the competition. So I kind of like that, that it sort of has an end and I don't finish the book being like, um, what happened to these people? Like, it's, it's kind of nice that it kind of wraps up a little bit, but, um, I just, this book just got me. It was so creative, like crazy creative. I kept asking myself, how did this author come up with this? Like, how does a person's brain do this? <laughs> like, it's so fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. So I, I love the night circus. I recommend it to people all the time. Very nice. Um, I've read that on audio and I always wonder, like how my experience is different from yours, not because we're two different people, but because we consumed it in two different ways. Yeah. But yeah, I went into it knowing nothing and it was a, yeah, it was a very cool experience. Okay. Um, tell me about book two. Book two is my favorite book of all time. And it is Till We Have Faces by C.S. Lewis. Mm -hmm. um, it is one of the, I think, I guess, lesser known Lewis, um, books just because everybody knows about the Chronicles of Narnia and stuff. But, um, I read this, this was like, I think one of the reasons this hit me so much is because it was the first, I read it in, in like early high school. And it was one of the first kind of grown up novels I read mm -hmm. that like, wasn't John Grisham. Like I read all of John Grisham. Um, but this was one of the first ones that I read that, um, that just felt like not like a kid's book. And, um, it's a, it's a myth. It's um, the retelling of the myth of Cupid and Psyche. And so it's, um, it takes place in this fictional kingdom, this kingdom of gloom. And there's this, um, really the King is, is a terrible, terrible man. And he has three daughters and it's the story of mainly two of those daughters. And, um, and the oldest, I don't know, do you, are you familiar with this book? Is it Oriole or a rule A rule? I'm familiar with the book, but not really with the underlying myth he's building on. And yeah. I have no idea how to pronounce it. No idea how to say it. So I'm just going to say a rule because that sounds awkward and it's the hardest way to say <laughs> it. So it's fine. Um, but she is, um, she is the ugly dis disfigured sister, but she's really strong and smart. Um, and she kind of takes care of the younger sister who is beautiful and ends up 
being so beautiful and like almost godlike that she angers the the goddess that's in charge of that kingdom. And so it's this interesting story. The story is great. Like it doesn't stop. The story always moves, which I really like. Um, but I, I, I love seeing the, um, I wouldn't even say that the, the protagonist grows a lot. I mean, she does, but it's almost like she kind of retreats inside herself and becomes even more like strong and walled up, which is not usually the path that, you know, the growth of a character takes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's just really interesting to me. Um, her relationship with her father is so dysfunctional and tumultuous and, um, yeah, it's just a really, it, I just loved it when I read it. It just, it just got me. I underlined like half the book because it's C.S. Lewis. So he's a good writer, everyone. Um, and so I just, I just remember being so moved by the story, but also by how good the writing was. Okay. I got to ask how many times have you read it? Cause I'm betting it's more than one. I read it when I first read it. I read it almost every year after that, but I've probably read it. I'd say like 10 times, I think. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. That sounds like you're giving your favorite book the respect it's due. So yeah. Yeah. Not being lazy about it, Kendra. Right. <laughs> I like it. Okay. What's your third favorite? My third favorite um, is, it feels like kind of a lame pick, honestly, but I had <laughs> to put, I know, whatever, but I had to put a thriller in, in my three uh-huh. because I love a good thriller, but okay. it's, um, it's a girl with a dragon tattoo and by um, Stig. Stig Larson, is that how you say the first name? Anyway. I don't know. Um, and actually, yeah. I have never read this. It's, so I'm very curious to hear your take. Yeah, it's um I've read the I read the whole series at once. I tend to do that when I read um the first book. If the whole series is out, I'll just consume it. It's almost so it feels like one giant book. Like I read Harry Potter like all in a row. I didn't read them af- like as they were coming out. Mm-hmm. And um and so I, yeah, I just sort of get sucked into a story and I have to keep going until I know how it ends. Mm-hmm. Um, but Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, it's definitely dark. And I, I like dark things. I don't mind darkness at all. I've read all of um, Gillian Flynn's novels and loved them. So I don't mind darkness. Um, but it's, again, it's a female protagonist. She's, um, she's really smart. She's really um, antisocial. She has a terrible history. Um, I feel like I can't remember if she's an orphan or if she was just abandoned by her parents. I don't remember um, the relationship, but I know there isn't one. Um, and so there's just an independence to her that was really interesting to me. Um, but the story is great. It's like, um, it's a thriller. It's a mystery. It's um, almost like almost like a spy thriller. It's written really well, even though I think I think it was translated from Swedish, which is sort of wild to me because it doesn't feel that way. Um, but it's, I didn't read it for the writing. I read it for the story. Mm-hmm. Do you do that a lot? I think, I think so. I think so. Um, yeah, if, um, like I've read books, I've tried to read books that, yes, I'm going to say yes, because I was just going to say, I tried to read books that people really love and I love the story. Like I saw the movie, like, for example, I saw the movie atonement, uh-huh. loved the movie. I'm like, Oh, that was a book. I didn't know that. Let's read the book. Oh my word. It was so slow. It killed me. <laughs> it killed me. Um, and I don't think that that's necessarily because I knew what was going to happen. And I was like, get to the point. I just, there were pages and pages of just like, how am I feeling right now? And it just was like, okay, girlfriend, just say you're sad or happy or whatever. And let's move on. So, um, so yes, I think that's true. And I think I like plot more than I like, I like story more than I definitely like writing. 
Are you allowed to say that as an English major? I was just, I felt the hairs on the back of my <laughs> Like, I think my English professors all just collectively yelled at me in my head all by right. saying that. We'll make I sure appreciate to great writing. That's, I think that's why I really love the Night Circus until we have faces so much is because I feel like it's both. It's great mm-hmm. writing and great story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would take story over writing, I think. Okay, excellent. What are you reading right now? Oh, wait, I, no, no. Don't tell me yet. Tell me the book you hate. Oh, the book I hate. I'm not going to let you off that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, the book I hate, I... There have been books that I've abandoned, but I couldn't abandon this because I read it in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's A Clockwork Orange. Mm-hmm. I hated A Clockwork Orange, which the reason I think it's interesting that I hate it is because it actually like, I feel like it has some elements that I like. Like it's about one of the darkest books that I feel like it's ever been written. It's so dark. But um, I don't know. There was something about it that like, honestly, it felt oppressive. Like it Mm -hmm. just, every time I opened the pages, I was like, please don't make me read this. I don't want to read this. I hate this so much. Um, I don't know if it's because like, um, the characters were given license to be dark, you know, like there was something about it that like people were allowed to be terrible people versus just people who were terrible people. I don't know. It just, it just made me feel icky. I hated that. What kind of class did you read it for? I know an English course, but yeah, I don't remember. I think it was just some sort of like contemporary literature. I think it was just kind of a general class. I don't remember the name of the yeah. class, but, but I hated it. I had to write a paper on it and we watched the movie after it was just the worst. It was like, I couldn't get away from it. They kept giving me stuff to like engage in the story and I couldn't be done with it fast enough. Okay. So I've seen the movie. I've never read the book. Um, so for people who aren't familiar and I saw the movie, like, probably more than 20 years ago, but I don't, I mean, do you think you're supposed to like it? Because the general idea is something about human conditioning. Like it's, it's about, it's really dark. It's supposed to be. And it's about, oh gosh, if you've read this book in the last like year and you're listening to my description, you're going to die. But um, that's the thing. I haven't read it in like how long, like 15 yeah. years more than that. And right. so, yeah, I don't remember a whole lot about it, but I know it's like, it's like, it's like a dystopia thing. It's, there's crime. It's, there's, it's like really psychological and, um, and it's like gang, it's like a lot of gang culture. Yeah, so scientists are conditioning young men to enjoy crime. I guess. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a fair way of saying it. Even if we're wrong, we're giving everyone a good idea of why this wouldn't make you feel warm and fuzzy inside. Yeah. And I guess that's, I mean, that's a fair point. Like it's not supposed to make me feel good, but there are books I've read like gone girl's not supposed to make you feel good. And I, I kind of dug that book. Like I, when it was done, I was like, dude, people are nuts. <laughs> like, you know, like it didn't, it didn't like hit me or anything. Right. Like it not didn't. like people make me want to like, right. Move <laughs> like, to the woods I could never talk and to never interact with them again. again. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I probably felt really uncomfortable with the entire human race for a long time after I finished A Clockwork Orange. And that wasn't the case with a lot of the thrillers and kind of dark books mm-hmm. I read. So that one just was a little different okay, and maybe a little over the edge. Yeah, it was, it was. Okay. What are you reading now? Okay. Um, I'm only reading one thing actively right now. I finished four books in the last week. So wow. What were they? I finished, um, ready player one. Mm-hmm. Um, love I love that. I would have recommended it. that to you right off the bat. Oh my word. Okay. It's so good. Um, I yeah, so read good. Eleanor and Park. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did, I really like that a lot too. Um, I read, um, we were all damaged by mm-hmm. Matthew Norman. I had never heard of that book before, but I think it was like, maybe it was like one of those Amazon prime, like monthly books that you could pick one for free kind of thing. I think that might've been what it was, but, um, 
um, it was really, I really liked it. It was really funny. The story took a couple of like kind of weird turns. It's, it's a contemporary story. It's like, um, you know, there's nothing dystopian about it or like a thriller. It's just this guy goes home when his grand grandpa's dying. It's kind of like a dysfunctional family sort of story, but it's, I really liked it cause it was funny. Like mm-hmm. the writer, the writing was really funny. Um, so I enjoyed that. And then I finished, um, Red Rising by Pierce Brown and I'm trying so hard to not buy the second book in the series and just like inhale it so fast because I'm trying to like be disciplined. Like you can take your time at the series. You don't have to like read it all at once, but I really enjoyed it. I was surprised with how much I enjoyed Red Rising. And then I'm reading, actually, actually reading, I'm reading The Man in the High Castle. Okay. Uh, because when I finished the series on television, I was like, what just happened? Like the last episode the finale totally threw me for a loop and confused the heck out of me and so I thought I have to read this book and find out what's going on and it's also killing me like the story is like there's it's a slow um and I heard you actually heard you recommend this to Jamie Golden um that was one of your recommendations to her I think and you said something about how narratively it's it's not that's not its strength the strength is like all the detail of the story and I think I saw that um I saw that in the adaptation in the television mm-hmm. show adaptation. Mm-hmm. And it was, that's one of the things I loved about the show was how detailed and like culturally detailed it was, how excellent that was. But I didn't have to read seven pages about like a civil war, you know, pistol in right. order to like enjoy the book. So it's, it's kind of, I don't want to abandon it because I want to know what happens. I want to understand the show better but it's so different from the show that I'm like, Oh my word, I dread picking it up. And I don't like dread picking up a book. That's a bummer. I know. Yeah. I did recommend that to her in episode one with a lot of caveats. So if you're listening now, go back and listen to that before you go saying, Oh, Anne said read um, the man in the high castle because she did not, she did not tell you to read that. So yeah, necessarily. Yeah. So I've only seen clips from the show. I haven't seen the series yet, but um, my husband really wants to, so maybe we'll get there eventually. It's but, really good. Just yeah. be prepared to like have the finale. Um, a friend of mine who I was watching it kind of with, like mm-hmm. over the internet, she said, "Did we just get punked?" And that's how it feels. Like oh, no. the finale, it was like, "What just happened?" It's like they crammed like the second half of the book into one episode or something. I don't know what happened. It just was really, it was just unusually um, bad. <laughs> it just really was. But I think they're doing a second season so maybe they it want to will make you watch. redeem itself when yeah yeah it was the cliffhanger of all cliffhangers like when we're like you're forcing this guys like this is an abnormal kind of cliffhanger but anyway but the show up to then the first the nine episodes of 10 are fantastic so yeah. good well they did a really good job of taking philip dick's material you know like his imagery and mm-hmm. like bringing it to vibrant cinematic life on the oh, screen it was, so it was that amazing. was really their strong yeah story. it was amazing yeah Okay, excellent. Um, Kendra, is there anything you want to be different in your reading life? And I mean, like, right now, because right you have a two month old, like, I that's do. a not, it's not a forever phase, but it's sure. a distinct phase in your life. And with that in mind, what do you want to be different right now? I feel like I have a really good momentum, reading momentum right now. Um, like I finished four books last week, like I that hasn't happened since college. And yeah. I was, you know, reading up for um, different classes. But like, it's been fun. Like I've had so much fun reading all the time. I forgot how much I like to read just for fun. And so much so like it's made me not 
like turn on the TV for the shows that I need to keep up with. So that's saying something because TV is my everything. So, um, I really, I want to keep the momentum going, which is why I'm like, I want, I want to read good books. I don't want to stall out on, you know, like if the man in the high castle is what I'm reading right now and I'm not really excited to pick it up and I don't have something waiting in the wings, then I feel like I'm going to stall out on this momentum. And that kind of bumps me out. So, um, so finding, like, I really want to find authors, like the more you, I feel like the more you read, the more you can easily find because you find authors that you like, you know, and it's just a, an easier search. Um, I think you're totally right. And so I think I just want to find more, more authors that I like so that I can keep, keep the momentum going. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is kind of an aside, but we're going to do it. So author Laura Vanderkam, she's written a few like productivity books that mm-hmm. are well worth reading, but not in this season for you. Um, she has this theory that there are supply side readers and demand side readers and the supply, like one kind, they are always, always reading. Like they will always find something to read. Mm-hmm. And the other kind of person can finish four books in a week. If they have really, if they have four great, amazing books going that they feel compelled to read instead of, I don't know, going for a run or painting the kitchen or turning on the TV. Yeah. So I think that's the demand side. So yeah. yeah, we'll have to, when, when you have a good pile, you're not as, you read a lot. Exactly. Exactly. And I just don't want to see my pile disappear because then I don't know how to get it back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll see what we can do for that. Well, I have titles in mind for you, although I feel like that's a tall order to compete with TV because there's so much good TV right now, but we will see what we can do. Awesome. Okay. Excellent. All right, Kendra, are you ready to hear your books? I'm so ready. Okay. So we are trying to compete with a good TV show. And I think it's really funny that, well, not funny, fitting, how about, that you love your books and you love your TV because you described this a little bit in The Night Circus, how you really like fantastical, magical writing. Not that all TV shows are that, but the books you all chose they're just, they're so heavy with the atmosphere. Like they're cinematic in a strong way. So while they're not all supernatural, they're all very evocative and vivid, like with really lush imagery. Does that sound right to you? They totally are. I never would have put that together, but they totally are. And I think it's especially interesting that you loved Atonement, the movie and hated Atonement, the book, because I think it brought it to life in that really, I mean, especially that movie, the one with Kira Knightley. It's so... It's beautiful. The colors are thick. Yeah, it's just really, really pretty. I have complicated feelings about the book and the movie, but it's really cinematically, it's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. So I am struggling with the completely other world building, um, but I'm so glad you heard and found Ready Player One. But as far as building a realistic picture, you know, a realistic new world to enter, not a new world with like Martians or jungles or, or, you know, caving Mm -hmm. in civilizations, but, you know, really realistic um, situations and dilemmas. I have ideas for you. So excited. Okay. I have too many ideas for you. (laughs) We are going to start because I think it'll be a sure bet for you with a thriller. Although I could really give you all thrillers. That would be easy. You really could. All right, here we go. It is Before the Fall by Noah Hawley. It just came out, I think, the very end of May. Um, do you know anything about this book? Was this Is this in your summer reading guide? It is. Because mm-hmm. I read the description and I was like, dude, 
That's me. This is the one. So here's your personalized confirmation that this is for you. So excited. Okay. So let me tell you what not to do when reading this book. Oh, good. Okay. Okay. So don't put it on your Kindle, get on an airplane, wait for takeoff and start reading because about 16 minutes into your flight, you'll read the sentence that tells what the whole book is about. This is not a spoiler. This is on the jacket. This is fine. Uh It says he didn't know that 16 minutes into the flight, the plane would go down over the, (laughs) you know, and I was like, I'm not as nervous a flyer as I used to be, but I don't believe this is the time or the place for this book. So yeah, that was, I mean, it was pretty funny, but I don't remember what I moved on to read, but it wasn't anything that happened on or near an airplane. I can tell you that. Well, planes are not in my near future, so I think we'll be safe. Excellent. Then we won't worry about you too much. Okay. So also Holly, Noah Holly, that sounded like a girl's name for a second. He is, um, he's a screenwriter. So he's best known for Fargo, which I didn't know and I've never seen. But for people who care about that kind of thing, for people who love TV, yeah, that's that's good to know. So he knows how to tell a good story. That so, makes me so excited. Excellent. And he's won like the Emmys and the Golden Globes and the Critics' Choice and the Peabody's, you know, all those big awards. Yeah. He's won them all. Okay. So here's what happens. So it's a foggy summer night. We're on one of the rich islands surrounding, I think it's Martha's Vineyard. So... This starving artist has struck up a friendship over the summer, and it's just a friendship, with a really, really wealthy woman in New York City, and she bumps into him at the market. He says, I'm taking the bus back to the city, and she says, no, you're not. Come on my Lux private jet. So he is the one unprivileged person on a jet filled with, um, I think there's 11 people total, who are all um, influential privileged, influential movers and shakers and their children. So 16 minutes into the flight, the plane goes down and the starving artist crashes into the water very close to um, a four-year-old boy. And he swims like two miles to New Jersey with this kid and saves him. So before the fall is about the crash, obviously. So in alternating chapters, we look back at all the individual lives of the people on the plane. And there was an investor who was dealing in an investor um, where when you're reading, you're like, oh, did somebody want his plane taken down? I won't go into the details. And there's a media mogul who runs, I imagine like a Fox News times 10, who like plenty of people didn't like him. And so you flash back to what everybody was doing before they got on that plane and why people would have reason to... Um, to wish them ill. And then in the alternate chapters, you see what happened after the crash, because first the guy who swam to safety, the starving artist is a hero, but then there's all these questions of, well, why was he even on the plane? What, what about his paintings foreshadows maybe his involvement in the crash? Why would, you know, why is he involved with this four-year-old kid? Why does he want to keep in touch with him? And can we really trust this guy? And why is he hiding from the press? And And then there's another storyline that plays out with the four-year-old kid who's suddenly the only surviving heir to this massive fortune and how that affects people involved in his life. Just there's a lots of, um, there's lots of conflict, like really interesting conflict and dilemma and, you know, what happened before, what caused the plane to go down, what's going to happen next. And it's just really attention holding. How does that sound? It sounds, if you could see my face, I have like the home alone face like, <laughs> mouth. Is, like I'm, that sounds so fun. And I didn't know, um, that I really actually like, um, when chapters kind of go back and forth and like, like books that aren't 
necessarily chronological. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that, um, I really like Kate Morton books and that's something I like about them is that they go back and forth. It's like, it's like a little, it's like a little game, you know, like you have to flip back and forth and like, what happened here? And how did this go together? And, um, so the fact that that has that too, that I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Excellent. And that's also a book of the month pick this month. So you could get it for cheap. Use the code. I think it's read next and get 30% off. Let me think what it is. Yeah. I think it's, I know you can go to modernmrsdarcy.com slash book of the month and get started. So with a discount there with the code read next, and that might be a June pick. So that's on right now. Okay. My next choice for you is, well, if you've read it, have you read um, Jasper Ford's Thursday next series? No. Okay. Well, you're an English major, so we've got the combination of literary inside jokes and um, world building going on here. Okay, so this is the first book in the Thursday Next series. It's called The Air Affair by Jasper Ford, and this is his first novel, but there are many in the series right now. So her name is Thursday Next, and she is a literary detective. So the whole novel takes place in this alternate reality of a different England, an alternate England where everybody is totally obsessed with literature. So the publisher says this is totally for (laughs) fans of like the Hitchhiker's Guide and PG Woodhouse. And the first novel is set about 1985. Time travel is totally the norm. And everybody takes their literature very, very seriously. So it's not unusual in this kind of England um, for a relative to get lost in a Wordsworth poem and, you know, that kind of thing, like to travel through time and space and literally like get lost in literature. So in this first book, um, Thursday has to go, let's see, Jane Eyre goes missing from Charlotte Bronte's novel and (laughs) Thursday has to go find her. This is so good. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll just leave it there then. So so good. Like that, that's one of those things that makes me go, how did that person come up with that idea? Like what a great idea. Oh my gosh. That's so good. That's so good. And I'm so excited. I got to tell you that when I ran the original literary matchmaking post, like two or three years ago now, Thursday next got picked the whole series as a frequent love and a frequent hate. So if this is for you, it is really for you. And if it's not, you're just going to be like, what is happening? And And why did I pick up this book? I kind of like, um, I kind of like books like that because it's, it's fun to talk to people. Um, like I know that you didn't like girl on a train, right? Mm -mm, I didn't. And I, I wouldn't say I loved it. Like, oh my word, what an amazing book. But like, I was super entertained and really enjoyed it. And so I like to talk to people. I, I, I like to talk to people about books that are a little bit more polarizing. So, so that's fun. That I'm excited yes. either way. And I think it also feels like such a find, you know, that you yeah. found this gem with a three-star review that is perfect for you. Yeah. But you know, if it's not meant for you, it's not meant for you. And some books are more crowd pleasing and that's fine, but it really like, it's such a thrill for me to find, I sound like such a nerd, but seriously, <laughs> like to find, to find the niche book. Cause in yeah. some ways you feel really lucky to have even connected with the yeah. right book. When it's not for everyone. Yeah. And well, this is not this for is, everyone, but you're an English major. The series too. So you like are already making my stack big. Cause There's if I like at least the thing, seven right now. Oh my gosh. That's so, that's so great. <laughs> and I really enjoyed this. I thought it was really well done. And, um, I will, my husband gives me a hard time for my prejudice against debut novels. 
because sometimes they are really, really, really good. And sometimes you think, I'm so glad the author wrote this. They'll be better next time. So this was really um, well executed. It was hard to believe it was his first book. Nice. And that's always nice too. Nice. So excited. Okay. Excellent. Two for two, man. Two Two for two. two. (laughs) Okay. So I'm, have you read Rebecca by Daphne de Barnier? Is that, I just um, put an N in her name where it doesn't go. Is, is that the same Rebecca that was made into a movie with, um, like Joan Fontaine and, um, what's his face? Yes, but I haven't seen it. Okay. Have you seen it? I've seen the movie. Okay. We're not going to do the book then because of atonement. All right. What about Sarah Addison Allen? No, I don't know that. All right. In that case, book three is Garden Spells. So it's not her first, but it's my favorite of hers. That's a great title. If you wanted to put this in a genre, it would be magical realism. So it happens in the real world with real people having real situations that you totally, if it's not your life, you can imagine it being someone's life, Mm. except for this one little thing. So here's the thing about Sarah Addison Allen novel. On one level, they're just women's fiction. So, you know, stories about love and life and family and relationships and work, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. But um, her Waverly family that she writes about in successive stories possess a unique magic. And in this installment, I mean, they're not, this novel does have a sequel and it's called First Frost. But except for that, the rest of her novels, while the same characters will pop up occasionally, they are not sequential at all. Mm. Okay. So... Like all the women in her family, this woman, Claire Waverly, has a unique magic. She can use edible flowers to prepare foods that affect the eater in unusual ways. So almost like the language of flowers, except it actually happens. Like you consume, (laughs) I'm making this up. These are not examples from the book, but like you eat pansies in a salad, which might be poisonous. Nasturtiums, you eat nasturtiums in a salad because I know that's okay. And you feel envy. Or you drink mulberry wine and you feel nostalgic, you know, something like that. Mm. So years ago, Claire's sister fled town and went out west because she just could not, from from the southeastern small town where they lived, because she just couldn't deal with the small town and her special gift. But she's drawn back through family circumstances and discovers her own sort of magic while Claire is busy with her kitchen magic and of course, the people in town know about the Waverly Women's Special Touch, and they want to um, put it to their own use. And this book, it's just, it's so fun. So the romance part is a little cheesy, and the magic is, like, totally, completely made up. So if you're unable to, like, enter another world and suspend disbelief, and I know that you are, but if, you know, for all readers, if you're like, that could never happen, and yeah. I don't like it, well, this is not the book for you. So, but... If you're willing to go with it, it's yeah. such a fun story. So a few love scenes are a little bit racy. So I'm not worried about you with the girl with the dragon tattoo, even though that's a totally different kind of sensitive content. But, right. Um, yeah. So there's a supernatural uh, catering company and there's a magical apple tree that throws things at people. That's so so good. if that sounds good to you. Yeah. And you, what state are you in, Kendra? Because this I'm- is a very, very Southern novel. Yeah, I live in North Carolina. I'm okay. not like deep south. Like um, I, Jamie and I have had a discussion about how she's she's southern. Like she because she's from Alabama, and so mm-hmm. she's like southern. So I definitely have like um, I live in the south, but not the south as people 
might always think in their heads, but close. I feel the same way. So I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, which mm. I said instead of Louisville. So you'd understand me. Right. <laughs> like we get Southern living. The tea is not sweet. And, uh, you know, we, it's right. not, yeah, probably a little more Ohio or Indie than Kentucky. Yeah. But, you know. We have our horses and mint juleps every year, so it's <laughs> undoubtedly, like, we can claim a little bit of Southern. You totally so, can. Well, if you like that part about your state, or if you like the idea of a, like, sweet, sparkly Southern novel, yeah. this is for you. Well, I took a, um, a Southern literature class in college, and it was one of my favorite classes. And I really, really liked it. I liked every book that we read, and I had a super hot professor, so I think that probably <laughs> helps. Like he, he did like the corduroy jacket and jeans, like the whole nine. Like he was, he was like stereotypical, hot college English professor. So <laughs> it was a good situation. That'll capture a 22 year old English major's heart. It, it will. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> Very nice. Okay. Well, Kendra, what do you think you'll read next? Oh, I thought that trying to choose the three to tell you that I like the most would be the hardest question, but this might be the hardest question. Like, um, they all sound so good. I think I'm probably going to do before the fall first because, um, because I, I did ready player one and red rising. Those were so, um, I think I just need like a straight thriller, like nothing to, um, I need to escape from like all these crazy different worlds. So I think <laughs> I start with that one. before you go into another one, exactly, yeah. exactly. I need a break. I need a vacation. That sounds fantastic. I can't wait to hear what you think. So fun. And thank you. This is so fun. Well, it was my pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, Anne. Hey, readers. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kendra today. Please head to the podcast site to share your recommendations for what Kendra should read next. That page is at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash 27. That's numeral two seven. And it's also where you'll find the full list of titles we talked about today. Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone.